I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. It is The Jesse Kelly Show. Another hour of The Jesse Kelly Show on an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. We have all kinds of stuff to get to. Who else should be on the national anthem? Or on the national anthem? On Mount Rushmore. Someone's mad about this bill in Congress, the black national anthem. We'll talk about that. Raising healthy boys, respectful boys. Corporate America, putting our money where our morals are. Uh, Someone has some thoughts on Trump's VP. So much to get to on this hour on the world-famous Jesse Kelly Show. Let's do this really quickly before we get to all that Black National Anthem stuff. Jesse, it sounds like you have two respectful, well-behaved boys. I have a 14-month-old son, James, and another due next month. That's awesome. James recently started melting down fake tears and all when he doesn't get what he wants. I know this is normal behavior for a toddler, but I want to teach my son's discipline and respect from an early age. What are your top tips for raising boys? Thankfully, they're blessed with an amazing dad who also loves the Jesse Kelly show. So I can say her name. Her name is Heidi. I don't know that I'm some kind of world-class father to be handing out tips on raising boys. Yes, I have two very well-behaved, very respectful young men. I don't think I have any more wisdom on that than you do. I will say this, though, and hear me out on this. Our boys are 13 and 15 now. 
They don't back talk. You know, they're, they're teenagers, so occasionally you'll get a little taste of the teenage attitude, but there's no back talk. There's no disrespect of their mother in my house. They'd never disrespect me in my house. Why? When you crack down early on your children, and I mean early, you don't have to crack down late. It was known from the time they were toddlers You don't get to disrespect me or your mother. When I tell you to do something, I'm not asking. When you start to get disrespectful, including tantrums, it's not just that you'll be ignored. There will be consequences if you try to throw a tantrum with me and get your way. There is a pecking order in this house, and you as a child are at the freaking bottom of it. And you better understand that well. I love you to death. When I screw up to you, I will apologize to you. That is one thing I do with my kids that I would definitely recommend. Because I screw up too. Bad mood, bad day at work, whatever. Slept wrong. Who knows? Speak out of turn. You hurt their feelings. You snap at them when you shouldn't. I will apologize to my sons. And that in turn has showed them that's okay to apologize. But disrespect should be cracked down immediately. Immediately, look, I'll tell you this. When they were two, you know, getting to that toddler age, and maybe they were thinking about throwing a fit in a restaurant, you don't get to throw a fit in a restaurant at two. You're not a baby anymore. No, 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 sir. I'll drag you into the bathroom or drag you out of that restaurant now and show you where the bear went through the buckwheat. And now, my boys, when they sit down at a restaurant, it's yes, ma'am, no, sir, glass of water, please. Highly recommend it. Uh, Another thing, I've brought up this before, but I want to bring it up again, and it's something we all have to be mindful of now, especially new parents. Technology has changed to the point where you can exist on your phone or electronic device all day, every day. You really can. And believe me, I'm not about to dog on technology. I'm really not doing the Grandpa Jesse thing. I'm not. What I am saying is this. Our children have to be taught now something that children throughout history have never had to be taught. You have something unique you have to do that no other parent has had to do. You have to teach your children how to have conversations now because people don't know how to have conversations because they don't have to have conversations. My entire life, your entire life, you sit down and you talk to people. You can sit down as a family now in a car for a five-hour road trip somewhere, and you can never say a word to each other. Dad puts his favorite podcast on the radio. Mom gets on Facebook. The kids are watching movies on their devices in the back seat, and you can never have a conversation for five hours. We were road tripping across the country while my dad was looking for work all the time when I was a kid. They were, they're not doing, I'm not doing a back-in-my-day thing. You had to talk. You had to talk. And yeah, that's a good point, Chris. When I would go hunting with my dad in Montana, they were always long drives because Montana's huge. My dad hates fun, remember? So I wasn't allowed to listen to music. It's you two sitting there. You've got to have a conversation. It's not a natural thing. You have to learn. Ask probing questions. Care. Listen when the person is talking. Teach your kids that early on. And make your kids, make your kids. Here's a little practical tidbit I would offer. Make your children order for themselves in the restaurant and not when they're 10, when they're five, six years old. You, 
Look that person in the eye. No, none of this. Well, I mean, I guess I would like to. Nope. Speak up. Look him in the eye. Be respectful enough to speak up and tell him clearly what you would like and use your manners. Say please. When he brings you something, say thank you. Great tool to teach kids. Jesse, why do you think they want to play the Black National Anthem at the Super Bowl? We have one national anthem. I know they, uh, th- this is ridiculous. Now they have a bill in, in Congress to make it the official national. Listen, listen, this is what the Black National Anthem thing is all about. America must be treated at all times by the left as an evil, horrible place with sins it has to make up for. Not just that we have sins. Every nation has sins, as do we. But we have sins that we have to make up for. And so this is an it is something that comes from the communists that many on the right, especially the low T GOP, they've slowly but surely adopted this where we have to be flogged, we have to be punished for the sins of yesteryear. The black national anthem thing, all it is is dividing more. You know, you know my kids, speaking of my kids, we in our neighborhood and in our kids' school, and this is probably just more similar to the Houston area, like in Bozeman, Montana, where I was growing up, it was all white. It was really all white. And then I get to the Marines and it's all everything, right? It's white, blacks, Mexicans, and Puerto Ricans, and Asians, it's guys from everywhere. And I come down to Houston and that's how schools are that here down here. That's the neighborhoods here. There are Indians. I'm th- I mean, from India, there are Indians. There are actual American Indians. There are Koreans and Japanese black people. My next door neighbor's black Mexicans. My best friend's Mexican. They're, they're, they're from all over. And that's the kid's school. That's our neighborhood. It's all kinds of different races. That's why I love making jokes about racism. That's because that's what dudes do when they get together. We joke with each other. My kids they were raised that way and they were, we, they were, we never had race talk in the house. It was never something that came up. It was never something we brought up. It was never something we prioritized at all. Then St. George Floyd dies of a fentanyl overdose. They pinned it on the cop and he, now he's in state prison. Yet another horrific injustice by this country. And you remember that kicked off all this Black Lives Matter crap, Black National Anthem crap, kneeling for the flag. Every single news special was on how evil America was and how racist this is. And, of course, the low TGOP got in on it. Well, I mean, of course, Senator Kendall, James Langford. Well, we definitely should change the name of the military bases. I really feel like that. Oh, my gosh. What happened to my, you know, and I'm not going to go into it either way. And I remember what a bummer that was for me and how revealing it was for me that one of my sons, he came to me after, I don't know whether he'd seen something on TV or heard something in school, but it was everywhere, right? Remember, we lost our church during that, our church talking about white privilege. And my sons, who had never mentioned anything like this, and this was what, he would have been probably 10, 9 or 10, came up and said, Dad, do black people hate us? And I just remember looking, and I don't want to use the word heartbroken, heartbroken, because that's such a chick word to use, but I'll tell you what, man, I was bummed. I, I was bummed that now, because of this divisive communist filth, now my sons, who never even cared, like they wouldn't care, I don't care, so they never cared. Now my sons are asking themselves these questions. I want you to understand something, whether you're black, white, whatever, Mexican, I don't care. I want you to understand 
any racial animosity you feel, or at least I should say most of the racial animosity you feel today, if you feel any, and that's natural to feel some. Yes, it might be part of your upbringing. It might be part of your experiences in life. Maybe you've had horrible experiences with this race or that race. Maybe it's that. But a lot of the racist feeling you feel today is done intentionally. These people, they live on division. Their entire power comes from divide and conquer. You can't tell me that systemic racism does not exist. It's not just a little kink. Secondly, you have personal racism, which is hard to address, but I'll give you one little story. I was walking from the House building on Capitol Hill to the Capitol, and a man, a white guy, stopped me and told me I could not get into the member's elevator. And you know, we have uh, pens, and I was going to vote. She's not a congresswoman without racial division. Racial division is how she gets her power, how she keeps her power. Just remember why they push that nonsense all the time, all right? And be strong enough to push back against it. If you're not, if it makes you afraid, when people start calling you racist or something like that, and it, it, it makes you cower, all that means is you haven't been taking your male vitality stack from chalk. You see, if you're a low-T weenie, and you might be, you might be low-T because there are so many estrogens in the water and whatnot. Then when accusations of racism come at you, you'll probably cower and you'll start bragging about all your black friends or something like that. If you would like to boldly stand back against the dirty communist scum when they say those untrue things about you, you need to get your testosterone levels up. That's why you take a male vitality stack from chalk. All natural herbal supplements, 20% increase in your testosterone in just 90 days. Not like you got to wait around forever. 90 days, you'll see the difference. You got to go to chalk.com. C-H-O-Q.com. Promo code Jesse. Chalk.com. Promo code Jesse. We'll be back. The Jesse Kelly Show. On air and online at jessekellyshow.com. It is the Jesse Kelly Show on an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday, and we're going to get back to the Ask Dr. Jesse questions in a moment. I have to do something really quickly today because there is a little bit of a story internationally. Here's the setup for it. You know the Houthi rebels in Yemen have been screwing up international shipping. They've been screwing up our shipping. The Biden administration has done little to nothing to them. They just let them go forever, just kind of hoping they go away, but they didn't go away. They didn't go away, and then we decided we'd launch 73 airstrikes against them, and that obviously didn't work because we only killed five people. And the attacks have really only increased since then. Joe Biden, because he's not in control of his mental facilities, admitted yeah, these attacks aren't doing anything. The audio is really bad, so I'm not going to play it for you. So the president admitted the attacks didn't do anything to dissuade the Houthis. Let's go to a little audio cut. Someone asked John Kirby about that, and there's just there's a hard there's a hard talk. I think we should probably have here. It is. President Biden admitted yesterday that the retaliatory strikes against the Houthis aren't working. Why aren't they afraid of the U.S.? Well, you have to ask the Houthis uh, what's in their mindset. I'm not going to get uh, in between uh, the, the ears of uh, Houthi leaders. Um, they claim it's about Gaza. It's not. Uh, they claim that uh, this is some sort of, you know, uh, okay, stop. US I don't care. And, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care. I don't care. That, that. 
Well, you have to ask the Houthis why they're not, not afraid. Well, let me explain something, not just to John Kirby, not just to the left, to all Americans. Americans, America is a good country, has been a good country, a country full of good, charitable history. Our, our history when it comes to charity and doing good is wonderful. The people of this nation are wonderful. And as such, we like to see ourselves as the good guys at all times. The problem with that point of view is this. Oftentimes, good guys have to do what's considered today bad things. That's the truth of it. And here's what I'm talking about. The Houthi rebels, a bunch of jihadis who hate America. You have to kill them. You have to make them afraid. They understand force. But Americans have no appetite for conquests or lessons like that. Uh, it's a good example. You ever, we've talked about this before, so I'm not going to go over the whole story. But Julius Caesar crossing the Rhine. It's a very famous story throughout history. Historic geeks will know it. Other people won't. Here's what you need to know. Caesar was in Gaul. He was in France. Caesar was in France. He was busy pacifying France, if you will. He was conquering France. And he had a bunch of allies, tribes that were allied to Caesar in France. And the allies came to him and they said, Caesar, these Germanic tribes keep crossing the Rhine and they're coming over here and they're killing us. They're raping, they're pillaging, they're, they're, they're hurting us. Caesar, make them stop. And Caesar said, okay, I'll make them stop. Then he went over to the Rhine, and it's a famous story. He built a bridge. I think it was 13 days. I'm not looking at it right now. 13, it was like 9 to 13 days, something, something real short. No construction equipment. He built a bridge across the Rhine, and he went across the Rhine. Now, what did he do there? Well, he killed a lot of people. He burnt villages to ash. He crucified people, put people to death. Now, you can say, oh, that's bad, and it's horrible, and we shouldn't do that. That's fine if that's what you want to say, but you should understand Caesar went back across the Rhine, burned the bridge to the ground to show the Germans he could build it any time he wanted, and the Germans never crossed it again. Houthi rebels or anybody on the planet, they don't learn lessons when you give them a heads up that you're about to airstrike something so they can get everyone out in time and you fire an airstrike that doesn't kill anybody. Americans lack the appetite for lessons that will actually work. So we've fallen in love with half conquest. We think that an airstrike, it sounds so clean, doesn't it? No, 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 no. We're being attacked. Let's launch a missile over there. And, and we'll blow up a, a factory. That'll teach them. These people don't learn lessons from burnt down factories. You want the Houthi rebels to stop? Identify five cities where they're supported and raise the cities to the ground. The Houthi rebels will never attack another American ship. Does that sound unappealing? Because understand what comes with that. You've just created a refugee crisis. Innocent people will die in the course of raising the cities to the ground. Are you ready for that? If you're not ready for that, then the attacks won't stop. You see, this world is not clean 
and simple and easy. It is vicious and it is violent, and we have been softened by living within a very safe country, safe from all these outside attacks. You must make these people feel pain, and an airstrike doesn't do it. So they're not going to stop. Of course they're not intimidated. All right, back to the question. Adding somebody to Mount Rushmore, putting your money where your morals are, and much more. Hang on. The Jesse Kelly Show, on air and online at jessekellyshow.com. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. 
Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It is the Jesse Kelly Show on an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday, reminding you you can send your emails during the show, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. And no, Chris, you cannot spell at all. Chris wrote something on the little, we have this TV screen now, and I don't know how he does it, but... He types stuff up. It's wild. He types stuff up over in his little producer chair, and it appears on the TV in here. I don't know how he does it, but I guess there's a wire or something. Either way, I'm not up on all the technology. But Chris, you may not know this about Jewish producer Chris. He's the worst speller I've ever seen. It's not that he's bad. Chris, you said you're a bad speller. Buddy, it's just you and me talking here. No one else is listening Buddy, I've never seen anybody that bad. I don't I don't know. No, you're not actually better than a three-year-old. You're you're not. I know someone probably told you that to make you feel better, but they were lying. Chris spelled Hiroshima or Hiroshima. H-E-R-S-H-I-N-A. Now, even if you had messed up one letter or two, how did you get that out of Hiroshima you know what it doesn't matter it doesn't matter uh maybe switch from the audiobooks is is on maybe a real book mix in one one a year maybe one a year would probably do a lot European Jesse if you could add one more person to Mount Rushmore who would it be oh well that's easy oh he says you can't choose yourself oh that's more difficult uh Andrew Jackson Andrew Jackson underrated Andrew Jackson actually took on corruption in this country. And Andrew Jackson fought in the Revolutionary War as like a 14-year-old, was taken captive, still wouldn't bow to the British. That's why he had a scar on his head. He wouldn't shine a British officer's shoes whenever America needed somebody. War of 1812, go look up Andrew Jackson and the stuff he did. They teach you in school that he's the, the height of all evil, the trail of tears. Andrew Jackson was a lion and a patriot in this country. Speaking of good and bad, this country was built by men like that, not your namby-pamby history teacher who told you that he's just the trail of tears. Jesse, watching your show from Thursday, I heard you read an email about not wanting someone to pay taxes, or about someone not wanting to pay taxes. The vast majority of people who are crying about paying taxes are still sitting back funding these commies, non-essential businesses. They think they're ready to go to prison, but they aren't willing to give up the NFL and Facebook and Nikes. It's sad and disappointing how ignorant the American people have become. His name is Frankie. Okay, um, okay, that is fair. That's very fair. I will, however, say this. I don't know, maybe I'm just super merciful today. We have to inform our family and friends. We have to inform our norms and normas about the things that they fund. Now, once you inform them, if they still keep going, then screw them. They're wrong. But, man, I don't know about you. I still make mistakes all the time. Uh, It was a couple months ago. It was during that Bud Light controversy. It was six months ago, however long it was. But everyone was finding out, oh, my gosh, Bud Light's this horrible, soulless company. And we had this big neighborhood party. 
And I thought, okay, well, we had to, we were assigned to bring the beer. We had to bring beer. So I ran out of the gas station. I admit I don't buy a lot of beer anymore. I knew I didn't want to buy any Budweiser or Bud Light. So I just grabbed Coors. Thought, okay, well, no, I don't want to buy Bud. Let's just get Coors. And came in. I got the Coors Light. And I was crucified. Coors, Coors is just as evil as Bud, if not worse. Pride parades the worst. I didn't know. I do this. I didn't stop to look it up, which I should have done. I admit that, but I didn't know. Many Americans don't know. They don't understand. We, we who are hyper informed, that would be you. We don't really truly grasp how uninformed Norm is. Norm doesn't have any idea. Now, sadly, most of the norms, they also don't want any idea. If you start talking to them about, well, I mean, you realize the NFL hates the country, right? And all the players you're cheering for today, they were all kneeling for the flag and talking about how bad the country sucked like two years ago. Norm doesn't want to hear that. I don't care. It's playoffs. Woo! So, look, that's obviously a problem. It is. We all need to be better about putting our money where our morals are, myself included. Finger pointed firmly this direction. I'm getting better. I'm being better. Either way, Dr. Jesse, I'm confused. I hear a lot of people talking about who Trump should or will pick for his VP. So far, I've heard Christy Nome, Tulsi Gabbard, and the Huckabee chick. What's happening? Is it a given the VP has to be a female? Are people so shallow that they won't vote for a candidate unless they have a woman picked for VP? Personally, I think Trump and DeSantis are still friends. He'd be the obvious choice. How about you? Okay. The Trump-DeSantis thing is not going to happen, so set that aside. It's just not going to happen for a variety of reasons. Are people so shallow? I, You know what? We just had that talk about the Black National Anthem. Remember we just talked about that? What was that, a couple minutes ago? We just talked about the Black National Anthem. And I had a conversation with a friend once, and he is a friend. He's a black guy. That's going to matter for the purpose of our conversation here. And I, we weren't arguing, but I was disgusted about it. He'd brought it up, and he, clearly he wasn't. And I was disgusted about it, and I told him I was disgusted that now there are two national anthems. And he started defending it. Ah, oh, you're making a big deal out of this. It's not a big deal. It's a worship song. He was doing all this other stuff. And so I remember, I remember it like it was yesterday. I asked him, I asked my buddy, I asked him, I said, be honest with me. Do you feel like black people should have their own national anthem? And I could tell by the look on his face right away, the answer was yes. And he kind of knew he got caught. So he kind of did the kind of pulled back thing. He's like, "Ah, that's not really what I'm saying. It was exactly what he was saying. Let me tell you the truth about humanity. This black, white, men, women. The truth about humanity is people want to be pandered to. I personally don't, and that makes me abnormal. But people like pandering. They want to be pandered to. It is one of the most difficult things about running for office. It actually frustrated my campaign staff to no end. When I was running for Congress, I have always hated pandering. And I absolutely refused 
to ever change what I was wearing. I believed in a suit and tie. Now, sometimes if it was super hot or something, I'd take my coat off or take my tie off. But no matter what, I viewed me as being very young running for Congress, which I was. I was like 26 at the time. I wanted to make myself appear older and more mature. And I liked wearing a suit. I thought it looked professional. And so I wore a suit everywhere, no matter where I was, whether it was a cowboy event or whatever, I was in a suit at all times. And whenever I had one of my campaign guys, the salty old guys, they would say, no, 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 you got to get a cowboy hat on. And I'd be like, no, I don't wear a cowboy hat. I'm not doing that. And he would say, but you're going to talk to ranchers and they want to see that. And I would, I would get right back. At, I don't give a crap. I'm not pandering to anybody. But they explained and they weren't wrong. People love to be pandered to. They do. Whatever your belief system is, you love to be told by the person who's running for office that they uniquely know what you're going through and they care. But why do you think all these politicians lie about it all the time? All the time. Remember that weird story with Joe Biden being lifeguard in a black pool. It was at a pool where all the black kids swam. It was such a weird story to you and me. It looked so weird. It sounded so weird. But he's had a lifetime of lessons. It's taught him that people, all people, they love to be pandered to. Women in politics are no different. Women, men, black, everybody. They just like it. That may not apply to you individually, but it applies to most people. All right, we have... So much we have to get to. We're going to talk a little bit more about China's manufacturing capacity. Talk about the. You want to do a little brief history? A little Nanping, Nanjing, Nanking talk? That'll be a little ugly. I'll make that real fast in a, in a moment before we do that. I saw a report out yesterday about a major organization, charitable organization. They're getting busted right now. Why are they getting busted? Because people started digging into their finances and they found out all the leaders of the organization are getting rich. They're sending you lovely emails. Hey, please save the puppies. And then they're taking your money and it's all going to Lear Jets and mansions. Well, I talk to you about tunnel to towers all the time and I already know you want to take care of widows and orphans. Have you ever looked up tunnel to towers? Have you ever looked up their charity rating? 90 Five cents of every dollar goes to the widows and orphans. That is an absurd number. You can't hear that. You can't find that anywhere else. Tunnel to Towers cares. The money goes where you want it to go. Care for the families of fallen first responders, of gold star families. 11 bucks a month is what they ask for. T, the number two, T.org. T2T.org. We'll be back. He doesn't care if you believe him, but he's right. Jesse Kelly. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Don't worry, we still have an hour, more than an hour left here on the Jesse Kelly Show. Also, remember, if you miss a minute of the show, even a single second, you'll die. You need to download a podcast of it on iHeart, Google, Spotify, iTunes. <laughs> Also, all right, let's get to some emails. Jesse, Oracle Jesse, I listened to your segment on Chinese shipbuilding capacity and the gutting of American manufacturing, and it hit home for me. 
I grew up in Northeast Ohio. I experienced this gutting through the 90s and 2000s. Week after week, news about plant closings and downsizings. Bethlehem Steel, LTV Steel, Delphi Automotive. It's funny he brought that up. I actually still have a little pin knife. My dad gave it to me, I think, when I was six or seven years old. It had Weirton Steel on it. Ohio, it doesn't matter. It's, it, it's awesome. Whatever. This list is just the tip of the iceberg. Globalization and Chinese competition killing the once thriving manufacturing industry of Ohio and much of the Midwest, and there has not been a real political fallout. Well, this is part of this is part of why I say we have a people problem. And hear me out here. Why has there been no political fallout? The American people have time and again proven to these political elites that they're not going to be informed on the issues and they're not going to punish them when they sell us out. What these politicians, Democrat and Republican, have done to the once booming Midwest is criminal. What they've done in Michigan, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Wisconsin, but you know, You know, blue-collar jobs in this country, working at a plant when I was a kid, was something not only men were understandably proud of, they had homes with it. You had a single-family home. Was it a mansion? No, but it was a nice home. I spent a lot of time in them. It was all my dad's friends. It was a home. You had two cars. Was it a Lamborghini? No, but you had two cars. The kids had new shoes for school. Working at a plant was a mark of honor. And it was something that you, that you grew up and you could do that for a living. And now you just don't hear about that as much anymore. Because we gutted them all. We sold all our businesses to China. We let the environmental nut jobs take everything over. And we haven't punished the politicians who did this to us. It's awful how free these people feel to abuse us. Look, you can say, well, Jesse Kelly, Jerry Nadler's from New York. One public comment like this should have you quaking in your adult diapers, which Jerry Nadler wears with your quaking for your power. Jerry Nadler should have uttered these words and immediately thought, oh, my gosh, my seat in Congress is going to be gone. And we need immigrants in this country. Forget the fact that, the, that our, our, our vegetables would rot in the ground if, it weren't, if they weren't being picked by many immigrants, many illegal immigrants. The fact is that the birth rate in this country is way below replacement level, which means our population is going to start shrinking. And the ratio of people on Social Security and Medicare is going to increase relative to the number of people supporting them. we got to have the illegals. Who's going to pick my strawberries? The people in his district, whatever their party, should be so mortified to be represented by Rumpelstiltskin. They should run him out of office. But he knows he's safe. He lays his head down on his pillow at night, and the first thought that goes through his head is, did I poop my pants again? But the second thought is, I know I never have to leave Congress, ever. That's sad, man. You know what's sadder than that, even? Honestly, it breaks my heart. 
people who don't own gold or silver yet? You know, on a long enough timeline, you know you're going to need it, right? Need it. Not want it. Need it. And even if you don't, your kids will. Or even their kids. The beauty of gold and silver, not only does the value last... It doesn't go stale. It doesn't go bad. This is non-perishable. When you acquire gold in your physical possession, you're acquiring wealth the evil men of the world can't touch and destroy. How many things can you say that about? Call Oxford Gold Group. They'll not only send it to your front door, they'll get it in your retirement. Let them take care of you. They will handle it. If you tell them I told you to call, they'll take special care of you. I promise. Just call them. I send my own dad there. Call them. 833-995-GOLD. All right? 833-995-GOLD. Jesse, have you ever talked about Japan and the slaughter of Nanping? I've actually never heard it called Manping. I've heard it called Nanjing, and I've heard it called Nanking. Never heard it called Nanping, but look, I don't speak Chinese yet, so maybe I'm just saying it wrong. Now, I have heard about it. I know quite a bit about it, actually. It's one of those horrific things. And I will tell you, this is full disclosure, one of the reasons I have read about uh, what's known as the rape of Nanking is because I'm a history buff and not... Not specifically the history of that. Have you, have you ever wondered what it would look like to watch an ancient army sack a city? Whether it's an Assyrian army or a Mongol army or a Roman army or whatever. Pick your army. It doesn't matter. Look, the Crusades, the Christian army sacking a Muslim city, a Muslim army crash, crash, uh, sacking a Christian city, the fall of Constantinople, right? one of the major events in all of history. What did it look like? How did it go? I know the sacking of a city would be so horrific to my eyes, and I'm a pretty jaded person, and I've seen some pretty rough things in my life, and I know it would be so jaded, it would be so horrific to my eyes that I would probably have to look away. I'd probably have to cover my eyes and ears because it would be difficult to see. I mean, my goodness, the Roman general who sacked Carthage sat and wept while it was being burnt. This is a Roman general who kills people. So it's ugly, right? The sacking of a city is ugly. But I've always wanted to know, and it's something we'll never know. What did it look like? What did it sound like? How does it go? How is it for the invading army? How is it for the people inside? What is it like for the men, the women, God forbid, the women, the children? What is it like to sack a city? I have learned the things I've learned about the rape of Nanking because it is the modern day filmed version of a medieval sacking. We'll talk about that next. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. 
I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals, each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.